you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer again, please. Father in heaven again, Lord, we come before your throne and ask for your assistance, your help, as we look into your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, and ask to tune our hearts and our minds that we will see what you have promised, what you deliver, and what's there is to come. We ask all of this and give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. The hope we're looking at today in this Advent season has been fulfilled and not yet fully realized. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Should get that on the screen. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, the already and not yet. Advent is a spiritual preparation of what Christmas anticipates. Hope, love, joy, and peace. Psalm 2, if you're following along, Psalm 2 gives us a clear picture how history will unfold with the Messianic King in full control. Get a full picture here. It is a royal psalm with messianic dimension. It has to do with the anointing and the coronation of a Davidic king. The structure of Psalm 2 unfolds into four divisions. The rebellious nations on earth, God's rule in heaven, God's decree, and the rule of the Messiah on earth, which shows God's movement from the time of King David up to the time when the Messiah will be ruling completely and fully. This psalm also reflects a deep understanding of God's covenant with David described in 2 Samuel 7 9. 
says, I've been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And we look at First Chronicles also 17, so the throne of this dynasty will be secure forever. Even though there were prophetic judgment against the house of David, God announced a future redemption of his people through an exalted royal son of David. In essence, God's people could look for an era in which all aspects of the psalm would be fulfilled through the threads of history in the person of Jesus Christ. The first thing we want to look at is the rebellious nation in verses 1 to 3. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The psalmist begins with the word, Why? And why signifies the efforts against the Lord and his anointed king. The psalmist was neither surprised nor worried by the rebellion of the nations. Because he knows the power of his almighty God. Now David expressed astonishment that the rulers of the earth counseled together against God. And he also knows that their attempt is in vain. This is also the focus in the New Testament. The father sent his anointed son, the greater David, on a mission to accomplish everything in the Davidic dynasty. We see this parallel. Jesus walked in the footsteps of his ancestors' lineage, identifying with their adversities and their laments, the difference was he saw his mission. He saw his mission. He had a full picture of that, and he lived up to loyalty, integrity, justice, and righteousness, and succeeds against all the opposition, even in his death. The actual state of the kingdom of Israel at any age was pale, a pale representation of God's ideal kingdom. And the prophets look for a day when Israel and Judah will be ruled by a Davidic king from Jerusalem and the nations would be subjected to him. This was a lookout. The prophets were looking forward for these things. See that happen. Now we saw the same thing occurred with the first century church, pointing out Herod, Pilate, and the Romans, and also the religious Jews, rebelling against the Lord's anointed as they conspired together to take him down. You know how many times they tried to kill Jesus? Planning, planning, planning. They want to take him down. But 
here's the point in regards to what I just said. To go against the Lord's anointed is to go against the one who anoints. To go against the Lord's anointed is to go against the one who anoints. You're really going against God. And that is why the psalmist, David is saying, why are they going against? Their attempts are in vain. Well, as we go down, we're going to see some other things. Now the prophets, the apostles, all witness the nations will rise up against God and His Messiah. As long as the Messiah era awaits its fullness, there will always be opposition. Acts 4, 25 to 27, it reads, can't see there, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentile rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. The New Testament inspired writers quote that again. Church, the truth is, the kingdom of this earth are by nature opposed to the rule of God and his Messiah. The scene shifts from earth to heaven now, where God is laughing and mocking the feeble attempts of the rulers, for he knows their end. Look at verse 2, Psalm 2, 4 to 6. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. This tells us that the confidence of God's people rests in God himself. The confidence of God's people rests in God himself. Who is unmoved by political machinations, you know, those deceptive schemes, those plots that you do? It wouldn't work. God will not be unmoved by them. The one enthroned in heaven, the master of the universe, laughs at them. Because why? His decree will stand regardless of their efforts. It's not going nowhere. So Psalm 2 comes with a messianic dimension of a Messiah predicted a Messiah delivered, and a Messiah who is coming again. In Genesis 3.15, the Messiah is predicted, predicted as the seed of a woman after Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. 
God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. We see Abraham also. Abraham unconditional promises in Genesis 12, 3. All nations will be blessed through you, Abraham, God said to him. To Abraham's grandson, it continues in this progressive form as the kids grew up and become adults. In Genesis 49, 9-10, it says, The scepter will not depart from you, Judah, nor the ruler's staff depart from between your feet. You see, Judah is the royal line of Jesus' genealogy laid out in Matthew chapter 1. The promised hope continues to Moses in Deuteronomy 18, 15 at Mount Horeb. When the people cried out, we don't want to hear God's voice anymore or see the fire lest we die. What they were really asking for is a mediator to stand between God and them. They couldn't handle it. And as time drew closer for the climax of the promised hope, the angel Gabriel appeared to the Virgin Mary, the seed of the woman predicted in Genesis, and we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 to 34, The angel said to the Virgin Mary, You will be with a child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means Savior. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, Davidic dynasty. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Church, this is a new kingdom that will be instated in Revelation 21. The new heaven and the new earth as we look ahead to the glorious return and reign of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? It's coming. So there we see the promise was given, and now we see the promise will be delivered. You see, people in the Old Testament hoped for their Messiah. For 400 years, the Israelites did not hear from their God. They felt abandoned. But we read in Galatians 4-5, But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. When Mary and Joseph took the baby Jesus to the temple, according to the firstborn male to be consecrated, Simeon, a righteous and devout man to who the Holy Spirit revealed that he would not die before he sees the Savior, the Lord's anointed King, said, My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all people, a light for a revelation to the Gentiles 
and for glory to your people Israel. Simon saw it. The Holy Spirit revealed to him he would not die until he see the Savior. And he did. When Jesus was baptized, a voice from heaven was heard. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And as we get down to later on in verse 10 to 12, you're going to see it says there again, kiss the son lest he become angry. In Jesus' three years of ministry, he preached the fulfillment of the promise. Matthew 4, 12 to 16 is laid out, and especially in Isaiah 9, 1 to 3, he said, The people living in darkness have seen a great light, no more gloom, no more darkness. The light of the world has made his entrance. He revealed God to us. He revealed what God is like in the flesh and how to walk a life worthy of our high, holy, and heavenly calling. That's the calling for believers. That high, holy, heavenly, worthy calling. This Advent season again, we are rekindling the season marked with celebration. With a spirit of anticipation of a long-awaited hope. To be fully realized, however slow and distant the future kingdom seems. Jesus fulfilled Psalm 2. He was born from David's lineage. In the book of Ruth, Chapter 4, we find, see, from verse 11 and 12, there's a scene. When Boaz married Ruth through the Leviticus law of the kinsman redeemer under the Leverite duty, not the blessing by the elders, may you have standing in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem, which Micah 5.2 fulfilled. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from the old, from the ancient times. From that marriage of Boaz and Ruth came Obed. From Obed came Jesse. From Jesse came King David. From King David came Joseph. Not the biological, but the royal legal line of fatherhood of Jesus. All promised, all fulfilled and delivered. The Messiah was promised, the Messiah was delivered. In Psalm 2, as we follow along, 7 to 9, we see God's decree. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. 
You will break them with an iron, with a rod of iron. You will dash them to the pieces like pottery. How do we see that? Well, God's people are to rest in God Himself. Who is unmoved by any form of machinations, those various schemes, those plots, those deceptive things. God in His divine plan is allowing the stirring on earth to take place in order to install His anointed King. And His determination is to have His anointed King rule in the face of all opposition. His decree will stand. Look at verse 8 of Psalm 2 again. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Church, this fits within God's plan of Jesus' universal rule. Fits right there. God the Father has promised universal dominion to His Son, Jesus Christ. All the earth will submit to His authority and he, His rule will extend from shore to shore. Isaiah 9.6 talks about this, where there will be no end. Already in His promise, God made it clear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob beyond the land of Canaan when they came out of Egypt. That all nations will be blessed through that line, through the Davidic kingdom. And Psalm 2.9 says, You will break them with, an iron rod, with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Now I know that's harsh language, but that's what the scripture says. That's what God says. God's sovereignty extends to the ends of the earth, and He will unleash His just wrath at the right and proper time. And here's the warning. The Lord expects His creatures and especially the leaders of nations, to make wise response to the impending day of His wrath that is coming. He sends a warning out. Regardless of all the schemes and the plots, God sends out a warning. In God's providence, He has set man's boundary as to how far the rebellion would go. You see, man made a great effort in Genesis 11, if you recall, the Tower of Babel, and it fell. They made a great effort. And the evidence remains among us today with the different languages spoken when the world was broken up into nations. It's a proof. All kinds of languages in the world. God did it when He, when he broke them up Broke up that nation in Genesis 11.
In Psalm 2, 10 to 12, it moves on. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Jesus Christ is everything the psalmist expected in the predicted Messiah. And God is calling to the kings, the rulers of the world to assess their situation. The Lord expects his creatures and especially the leaders of nations to make wise response to the impending day of his wrath. And I'll say something in a paragraph here. I will not extend. If you want to hear the extension, you can always talk to me later on. There are ideologies and movements by leaders to keep God's people away from God by changing the structures he has laid down on earth. For his people. I'll say it again. There are ideologies and movements by leaders in this world to keep people away from God by changing the structures he has laid down. And the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them because the scripture says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So all that monkey motion going on out there, what they're doing, God is just laughing at them. It's in vain. Because God's decree will be fulfilled. In response to the Messiah predicted, Messiah delivered that first Christmas, so what? It's easy for someone to say, well, so what? It's just a Christmas story. So what? Is it just a good story? Is Christmas just a secular celebration? Ah, Psalm 2 back again. 10 to 12. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And that means listen, submit, and take refuge in him before it's too late. And here's the seriousness of it all. God do keep his promises. And his promises do come with blessings and judgment. Either way, he's going to keep it. He's going to keep his promises. What God said, he will do. Isaiah 46. And the people on earth is responsible as to how they respond to his word and his instructions, what he has established. Now because it is Christmas, it's the Christmas season when God gave his indescribable gift, 
Let's look towards the blessing aspect. It's Christmas. We all want something good, right? We look forward. Generally speaking, we work for a nice place to live, to eat, nice car to drive, to sleep, and the things to enjoy on earth. Think of the accommodation Jesus is preparing in his kingdom. Jesus was content with a stable when he was born, so that repentant sinners can have a mansion when they die. Unless the rapture happens. For he said, In my father's house are many rooms. If, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? That's exactly what he said in John. Trust in God, trust in me also. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Church, Jesus was content with a stable when he was born so that you and I can have a mansion to live in later on. It's coming. It's coming. However, there's one condition, and that is you have to be his sheep. The Bible says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by whom we must be saved. This is the mediator God promised. When the people cried out at Mount Horeb to Moses, get someone in between. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to see that fire. Get us someone. And the promise was made. And God delivered. So this Advent season, let's reflect on what it's about. Jesus is mankind's only hope. There's no other hope, folks. There is no other. Jesus is mankind's only hope. In the Christmas season, many believers, and I want to say this with some sensitivity. In the Christmas season, many believers who have lost loved ones keep away from celebrating Christmas. I'm not minimizing sadness and grief. I'm in that group. But the irony is, that is why there is a Christmas. To remind believers of the true hope in uniting and reconnecting back with your loved ones again. That's what Christmas is about. And sometimes many Christians... The lost loved ones, they shun away. I can't celebrate Christmas. I can't do that. That is why Christmas came. It gives the hope. So I encourage you to celebrate Christmas in its true sense because 
of that hope that Christmas gives. Don't shy away. Celebrate it in its true sense. The reality of Christmas for believers is not just a day on our calendar, but an ongoing reality what God has done for the world when the light appeared in the dark world. Amen? So my prayer this morning is, if you are far away from God, draw close to Him through Jesus Christ. The Messianic King predicted was delivered, and he's coming again. Abandon your secular way of life and its priorities that hold you in bondage and hold on to the promises of the blessed assurance through Jesus Christ and take refuge in him. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. In Revelation 12.5, it says, She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Revelation 19.15.16, Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray that if there's anyone watching online or in this congregation among us today who do not know you or is not sure of saving grace you offer, that they will repent and ask you to forgive their sins and accept you in their heart at this moment. And those who are distant from you in their relationship, that they will draw close to you in this season. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.